Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my fiance, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It is January 16th, nineteen. 99. It is. I almost said 98. I'm so used to 98. (laughs) But uh, you had a whole year of 98. It is 1999. Uh, How have you been, Carol? Oh, I've been good today. I I got a vaccination today, though. So, you know, I'm a little tired. My arm hurts. Yeah, she got a cootie shot because (laughs) she's been too close to me. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know how to transition from that necessarily, but you want to hear the buzz on electronics, Carol? Sure. Tell me. Um, you could wake up to Rugrats for sleepyheads who'd rather not face another snowy school day. The Nickelodeon Rugrats talking alarm clock puts some fun into rolling out of bed. Uh, quote, I think we'd better go now, announces Chucky in one of four warm and fuzzy messages. I kind of like you the way you are. Uh, confides Tommy, the colorful TV-shaped clock from Long Haul Technologies features images of five Rugrats favorites, wiggly clock hands, and a night light and snooze button. Okay, I mean, cute, but is there music? Because just a voice saying, like, a sentence is not going to do it. That's true. Does it play? Do, 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 right. do, do, do. Exactly, that's what it should do. We're going to get sued now. And also, like, shouldn't this just be... Is there a kid section? Because I feel like it should be in the kid section, not the electronics section, because it's not like an op- impressive piece of electronics. Uh, it's That's an alarm true. clock for children. That's true. Speaking of things that are impressive, though, radios offer a pretty face. Smashing the Henry Ford tradition in car stereo. Which shade of black would you like? <laughs> uh, Blaupunk. Sells the dash, sets the dash, the dashboard ablaze with its new Nevada digital receiver. Dazzle yourself with formula red, speedy yellow, or flame blue. Behind that pretty face is an AM FM tuner that digitizes incoming signals so they can be manipulated by the built-in digital signal processor. Uh, (laughs) Really needed to know that. how the radio just works? Yeah. Okay. The result is said to be a radio performance of exceptional clarity. The Nevada also provides remote operation for a separate CD changer, or you can just bask in the silent glow of the faceplate. Three hundred and fifty dollars. Three hundred and fifty dollars. Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? No. That's insane. That's a lot of money to pay. I mean, your car already price. has a radio. Yeah, but don't you want it to be blue? I did until I heard it was three hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> Holy hell! You know who buys that that stuff? Rich people? Drug dealers. Oh. So, yes. But, okay. Why Why do you think a drug dealer would want that? I, well, I'm just saying I know several drug dealers that... Oh, are, do you know? I do. That, <laughs> well, I did. Don't come after me, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, uh, that put a lot of money into their car stereos. Nice cars, nice car stereos, hydraulic systems. Because it's about the image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Uh, let's see. So, this is the... The this is from the um the the whatever it's called the technical convention or whatever the the World Electronics Expo or something like that from okay. uh, Las Vegas the Consumer Electronics Show 
Uh, so these uh, things were debuted there, or will debut there. Uh, 007 would love to have this watch right there. That's one. See that? Mm-hmm. Uh, eat your heart out, 007. Wow, they're really going after him. <laughs> uh, this looks like an ordinary wristwatch, right? And it is. But pay attention now. It's also a beeper. <laughs> Alarm clock and email receiver. You should be en route to make the package exchange in the Big Apple when 006, your spouse, they're just they're just writing a fucking uh, um, James Bond movie now? Back in Motown needs to reach you. That other agent simply pages you through SkyTel's nationwide network. So it's a watch. It's $159. So it's a watch where you can also get paged and email. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad. And it's cheaper than the radio, so... I mean, I, I, I can't hate on it. We're, I mean, we're going to view everything through that gauge now. You know what my problem with pagers is, though? Every time that I get paged, it tickles and I jump. So, like, having it on my wrist, I think, might be better. Yeah. Less startling while I'm driving. That's true. I mean, it is It is kind of weird that you keep it uh, underneath your underwear right now. So. I don't keep it under my underwear. What are you talking about? Right, right, you know. Don't be dirty. Right on your, your lady parts. He's lying. That's, that's why. It, that's why it shocks you. That's why it's, that's why it's you know, that's why it tickles and it's just. You don't understand? What is the matter with you? I understand that you're being dirty. I understand what's happening and I don't approve. Okay. <laughs> How about TV and internet in one somehow? All your television and internet needs are served up by a single dish in the Direct Duo digital satellite antenna from HughesNet Systems. Okay, is that going to be like faster than like the shit we got right now? Here's my question. If you have internet through your uh, cable provider, does that mean uh, when you're on the internet you can't watch TV? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> God, I hope not. I'm sure that's not what it means. Um... From Hughes Network Systems, the elliptical dish, 21 inches, can uh, simultaneously receive the 200 channels of television programming offered by the Direct TV and USSB satellite services and a feed from the Direct PC Turbo Internet service, which downloads data at speeds of up to 400 kilobits per second. That's pretty fucking fast. The dish can be connected to two television set top boxes anywhere in your house and for internet access to your PC, $799. Wow. It's not bad. It's not good. I think you still have to pay per month, too, is my guess. But Yikes. How about a picture, the view on this computer monitor? Uh, a harbinger of computer monitors and even television sets to come is ViewSonic's model VG180, an 18-inch LCD color monitor, just three and a half inches deep. Wow, yeah, it's very flat. Hmm. Um, the ViewSonic presents a gorgeous picture in the high-resolution SXGA format. The Svelte monitor, which weighs 19 pounds, wow, a lot, a lot uh, lighter than the TV, Takes up only a quarter of the desk space needed for a conventional tube television. Yeah, that's and nice. Since the image looks good from any seat on a 160-degree arc in front of the screen, the VG180 allows for cozy viewing by more than one person. $3,195. Oh, I want it. <laughs> I want it, but no. 
Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, some of the cool new stuff won't show up on stores until mid-year or later. And one of the most exciting prospects, a high-definition upgrade of the increasingly popular digital video disc DVDs was only discussed seriously for the first time at the 99 Vegas show. But don't look for HD DVD until at least 2001. What follows our Vegas sampler, a truckload of electronics entertainment and funky gadgets all coming to a mall near you. So, what do you think? High-definition DVDs. We recently just bought a DVD player. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I definitely want to give it a shot. You know what? Uh, so I'll tell everybody the first uh, the first DVD that we bought for our DVD player was um, Mallrats. The best. The best movie. And, uh, well, it's, yeah, I mean, I like it. I don't, I don't you know, I don't know if it's your favorite movie, but it, I liked it a lot. Um, and uh, they have a audio commentary track from... Kevin Smith and Jason Lee and Jason Mewes and Ben Affleck, who is the bomb in Phantoms. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of of extras and stuff, deleted scenes. It's great. It's fun. It is fun. I'd only want that for, like, really cool movies, though. Like, you know, just a boring romantic comedy probably wouldn't have that many great features. Yeah, you're not super into that, really, I don't think. The uh, the audio commentary stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I was listening to it a lot myself. You were kind of just, like, in and out. That's fine. Um, You know what else? It might be fine. Uh, the WB is pinning its hopes on young sitcom Zoe. New sitcom Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. 9 p.m.s and uh, fucking the WB. Um... Year after year, season after TV season, they come and go by the dozens, hundreds, fresh-faced, enthusiastic, hungry actors who are among the precious few who have at least a shot at making it in prime time. Sometimes you can't help but root for them. Take Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane, a comedy about to make its debut on the WB and its stars. To hear it from WB executive Zoe carries the hopes and dreams of the network to prime time. We believe it has the tremendous potential for the WB because it shares our sensibilities, says Jordan Levin, WB executive vice president of programming. While we recognize that launching a new comedy series is perhaps the most difficult task in network television, we firmly believe that. Wow, that's really that puts it into perspective, right? Like, uh, I wonder if the people at NASA think that's the most challenging. Uh, We firmly believe that if we are both nurturing and patient and give the series every opportunity to develop a loyal audience, Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane will come to define a WB comedy. That's uh, quite a spiel for what sounds like a pretty average thing. (laughs) It's a coming-of-age sitcom about four high schoolers growing up in New York. Uh, It stars David Moscow... uh, Azura Sky, Detroit native Selma Blair, and Michael Rosenbaum. So there you go. Check out Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. Very good title. <laughs> um, we don't know anything about it because it's not out yet. Yeah. But we do know something about two things. Two things. Yeah, one I wanted to mention that uh, 
there's a, a show that's come out on uh, home box office. Um, it's called The Sopranos. Uh, it just just debuted. We caught a bit of the uh, the first episode. Um, it's like a Goodfellas, but he needs to go to a therapist. Yeah, it's a pretty good show. That was pretty, so, it was pretty cool. We might check in on that, uh, you know, in the future. But yeah, it was pretty good. James Gandolfini. It seems kind of almost like a comedy, but not. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. Like it's making fun of itself a little. Maybe a little. I I think it takes itself very seriously. It okay. seems like it does, but I think it's like. I think it's grounded in more reality than like Goodfellas. I know Goodfellas is based on a true story, but Goodfellas is very slick, flashy, like, you know, I remember being a guy in the, th- you know, whatever. And, um, you know, all that stuff. And this seems more like real world because it's like, he's a crime boss, but he also has a wife and two kids and panic attacks. Yeah. So it's like it seems much more grounded in reality and not as slick and flashy and showy as, as the movies. So yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I think that's what you kind of I think that's what you're interpreting as sort of like not like making fun of itself almost because it's like it's more like street level. It's more yeah. like real world kind of thing. But you know what else was flashy and glitzy and whatever. Was the movie we watched uh, Varsity Blues? I'm not sure where Varsity is in Texas, but ha ha ha. So this movie stars James Vanderbeek. Were you in Varsity? What are you talking about? Was I? Where is when you played football? Oh yes, yes, I was on the Varsity. Yes. I didn't mean the fictional town of Varsity in Texas. <laughs> no, they played for. Um, West Canaan or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Very biblical. There's a lot of religious overtones. Is. And sort of like he has a brother that um, that is exploring several different religions. Um, and he starts out with Christianity. He's on the cross. He moves through every different religion. And at the end of the movie, he started a cult <laughs> with his playmates. It's funny. It is. I, I did enjoy that little, like, sort of running gag in the background. Um, but Varsity Blues. Yes, I played on the Varsity when I was a footballer just in high school. <laughs> we didn't take it as seriously as they do in West Texas. And I wasn't allowed to steal a cop car and ride around. Yeah, with, what the fuck? Ride around naked with three women in the car. That's crazy. It's I mean, they really did treat the football players like fucking kings. I think that's an exaggeration. Well, I'm sure. I know that football players get away with a lot of stuff and everything, but I think that was an exaggeration. What, what did you think of the movie? Well, it was really cool to see uh, James Vanderbeek being someone other than Dawson. Agreed, agreed. And did Kevin Williamson write this movie because there's a... A teacher that fucking strips. Yeah. He didn't. It's crazy, though. He didn't. But apparently everyone, every, apparently every writer wants to fuck their teacher. I don't know what's going on. That's one thing that I thought was odd, though. Like, okay, I realize they're letting the kids get away with shit, but a strip club? Really? They're going to let well, a bunch of football players in the strip club? Yeah, a strip club. And can a teacher, like, be a teacher and also have 
a career as a stripper at a nearby strip club and no one knows or says anything? The school board doesn't have a problem with that? Yeah, that sounds sketchy. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I don't think that's going to happen. I agree. Like, it, it wouldn't work out that way. Like, somebody would have found out way before they did. Mm-hmm. Unless that was her first night. It didn't seem like it because they earlier they foreshadowed it because they mentioned she's driving. She's like, oh, great game or whatever. I can't put my makeup on right because, uh, you know, she's got her makeup like all smeared over her lips. It's the typical like, um, you know, I'm pretty, but like, I don't know how to take care of myself trope. Um, but she's like, good game, James Vanderbeek. And then she drives off. And he's like, that's a nice car for a teacher's salary or whatever. It's like, yeah, we get it. Oh, yeah. OK. So she must have been doing it for a while. I would I would. Yes. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, we've been to a bar and where... she has a teacher's-themed strip, striptease, too. Yeah. We've been to a bar where... Sorry. Where the waitress was a teacher. Sure. You know, but it was just over the summer. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, they get other jobs. And, and being, a, being a waitress at a bar is not the same as being a stripper. <laughs> that is very true. But this movie stretched credulity... A lot of places, I think. But okay. What did you think of the movie, Carol? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I was a little bit lost sometimes because they they went a little too heavy on the football. Yeah. I mean, I realize it's a football movie, but like there were things that I didn't understand. So, I some of the, I, I I'm very mixed on this. Yeah, you're not you're not sure if you liked it or not. I assumed you loved it. No, I'm 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 heavily mixed on this. Oh, okay. Um, it, Scott Con creeps me out. Who's in this that movie? Tweeter. Okay. Uh, um, the one that's naked like half the movie. Right. Where he's got a tattoo on his ass and he's supposed to be 18 or whatever. Right. And he's hanging out with sophomores that are going to tongue bathe him or whatever he said. Uh he mentions um. A f- he has a few different lines where he's talking about like drugging women and like yeah. having sex with them and like it's all very disturbing. They make light of it, you know, and everything. Like James Vanderbeek's like, "Oh, are you gonna like prison or whatever?" Like they make it seem like, "Oh, that's not that's not cool mm-hmm. or whatever." But still, it's like I don't know. It's kind of disturbing. But what I like about the movie is it's a sports movie from an outsider's perspective, kind of. Because James Vanderbeek doesn't care that much about football, mm-hmm. because he's not a starter when the movie begins, we kind of get, like, the, we see a lot of the movie from his eyes, I suppose, but we have a little more of a, it's more of a uh, objective, like the movie shot in more of the objective point of view where we're, like, just observing a lot of these events going on. And so we have, like, an outsider's point of view on tech, West Texas football, which is obviously nuts. Um, and so we learn a lot about it. Instead of, like, you know, instead of being in the huddle, quote-unquote, for, like, the whole movie, we're learning a lot of things as the movie goes along mm-hmm. and sort of being immersed into this world. And I liked that. And it's not like the message of the movie and everything isn't like, you know, the fucking glory of sports and stuff like that. There's there's more to it than that. But some of the stuff I didn't like about it is, first of all, like I said, I think it really, it goes a little too far with some of the 
the shenanigans these kids get. Yeah. Like literally drinking on the field after the game and stuff like that. And, and like, it, it, like, I think that goes a little too far. It, it's, it stretches it so far. It, it makes it unbelievable mm-hmm. in a lot of different places. So I didn't like that. The other thing too, is that the movie moves along at a decent clip and everything. And there are, there are good scenes. There are very good scenes in the movie. But they they don't ever really seem to build to in in my in my mind. There's a kind of lack of cohesion, I think, in the storytelling where we're we're moved along, but it, the movie feels more like a set of scenes of things that happen. There's there's one uh, moment in particular where. Uh, the main quarterback, uh, the guy from Pleasantville, mm-hmm. Paul Walker, gets hurt, and uh, Jonathan Moxon, uh, James Vanderbeek, takes over. And then we have a party afterwards. We have Tweeter uh, driving around naked with the girls. We have James Vanderbeek going to the store and getting beer. We have them at the hospital after the injury, after the game. We have uh, fucking um, him talking to his girlfriend. Like, all those things happen, and it's all the same night, and it doesn't feel like that. Hmm. It feels like when he, when he, when we're at the last scene of that night, and he throws the rock at the window, and he was like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you or whatever. What's going on with, you know, Lance? And she's like, oh, surgery went well. He's going to have another one in a couple weeks or or whatever, he's like, yeah, it's been a weird night. And I'm like, this is the same fucking night? And he's got the, the beer mm-hmm. that the guy gave him uh, at the the party store, or whatever they call it in West Texas, uh, convenience store, um, that th- 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 he gave him from earlier in that night. So you know it's the same night, and it's like, it didn't feel connected, really. Um, and it just felt like, good, good scene, good scene, good scene, but it doesn't feel like tension and story is building as it's going on that's how i felt about it interesting i i mean i didn't really have that same feeling it it didn't seem weird to me that it was the same night and i think it was obvious that it was the same night because of what you said like he's walking around with the beer the kid stole the cop car from the party and then is in the cop car. Like, I, I don't know. I felt there, there was enough interconnectedness, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like I said, there's interconnectedness or whatever, but it just, it doesn't feel like anything's building towards anything. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I mean like the end of the movie, they won the championship, but like, he didn't really care about that. The only one who cared about that was the coach in the first place. And, 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 and it was more about like getting rid of the coach, mm-hmm. which I also kind of have a problem with in a couple different ways. First of all, um, it comes out of nowhere. Where I mean, it doesn't. Really, it doesn't come. It doesn't come complete. Calm yourself. It's, it's just like I don't know what the fuck. You're it doesn't saying. come completely out of nowhere, but like all of a sudden he's like, "No, I'm standing up to you. Fuck you." And everyone else on the team's like. Yeah, we're going to follow this guy. That didn't come out of nowhere at all. At all. Okay. Like, in the very beginning, we see the, the coach is giving the guy who got hurt those cortisol shots or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the one guy gets hurt again. Like, he falls on the field mm-hmm. and, you know, he gets, like, I don't know, concussion or whatever. Billy Bob, yeah. 
And, like, everybody on the team is seeing this shit. Like, everybody knows what's going on. And, like, at the end when James Vanderbeek's like, you know, we play sick, we play injured, like, this has been something that's going on in the team. I guess. It's obvious he does not care about them based on the way that we see in these few scenes that he, the way he treats them. I mean, like, I don't think... It, I think they were foreshadowing and building that the whole time. I guess so. And then trying to get the, the one player who was hurt to do a shot and go back out there, you know? like, yeah. And that's... I mean, that's what they stood up for, but... What I don't understand is why the coach is just like, okay, I'm just not going to go out there then. Because James Vanderbeek's like, the only way we're going out there is without you. And the coach is like, come on, come on, let's go, everybody. And he goes out there, and no one follows him. And I guess he's like, all right, I guess I just fucking quit then. I don't know why he just gives up like that. Because how can you be a coach of a team that's not going to follow you? Well, true, but like... I mean, those those guys are graduating. You know Most I mean? of them, yeah. Like, so I just, I don't, like, I don't know. That seemed weird. It was just like, oh, he just gave up, I guess, then. Um, and how did they know that he wasn't going to be there? Like, he could have just went out to the sidelines, and then they all come out, and he could just stand on the sidelines. And they could have ignored him. I mean, the point was that they weren't following him. Yeah. They, they weren't being his team anymore. And John Voigt plays a great asshole yeah he does because apparently he is an asshole so um allegedly we're not uh don't sue us john it's not like we're friends with him or something i don't know anything about him but uh i've heard bad things about him so um anyway from your hollywood connections yes i have um angelina jolie and i speak occasionally of course of course um but yeah he's uh he plays a really good asshole um and a very bad coach Mm-hmm. Like, it's not surprising. I don't know how he won so many titles because it's not surprising that his team turned on him and he completely lost his team because, like, that's not how you coach. You know what I mean? Like, he's obviously he was super selfish and didn't give a fuck about anybody but himself. Mm-hmm. And it was just like he just used those those kids like you know, whatever, so that none of that's good. Cannon fatter. But it's like, that's also, how how could you get kids to play hard for you? Being that way, I don't think you could. Well, he used verbal abuse and manipulation, and it seemed to work out for him most of the time. But I guess. I, I don't know if it's like a... This is the you know, the world's changing or whatever. People don't put up with this shit anymore. Yeah, I, I think I think I think there's themes of that in there because there's a lot of... There's a lot of people in this town that that cannot like move on from football. You know, there's there there's a party and there's this guy from that like graduated in the class of uh eighty nine or, or something like that. That was stupid. And he's like, Oh yeah, come I don't miss these parties or whatever and they hit him in the balls and stuff like that. Mm. And it's like, go fuck yourself. It's like, yeah, why are you at this party with these teenagers? Um, but he's got he's got his jacket on, his football jacket and stuff, it's like you just never fucking did anything with your life, right? And all the dads of the people, the guys on the team, they're like, I love this this you know, football, and it's like it's all they talk about. And they don't, yeah, it's stupid. They don't give a, sh- a fuck about anything else, and they never move past anything. So I think there, I think there are themes of that in this, too. Also, like, the, the cheerleader girl could have been um, a very, like, stereotypical, oh, here's the slut or whatever. 
And it's like, she's not. She has depth to her character. She's she's pragmatic. She's not in love with Paul Walker. She, you know, but she's using him as a means to an end. And, you know, that doesn't make her the most sympathetic character in the world. But she's not, she's not the stereotypical just like, I'm a whore kind of woman. Mm, uh, okay. She has she has ulterior motives, selfish motives, but yes. She's offering her body to get favors. That is the definition of being a whore. But it's not stereotypical. It's not for nothing. Because she's not a bimbo? Yeah. Okay. And because she has and because she's like it's a marriage of convenience for her. I mean they're not married, but like, you know, a relationship of convenience and she's ready to move on to the next one i think she's an evil bitch i'm not saying she's a good i'm not saying she's a good person i'm saying it rises above what would stereotypically be in some a movie like this what did you think of the whipped cream bikini i mean it was fine i don't find that actress particularly attractive so mm. if it was a more attractive actress it would be a more alluring scene if you wanted to try out a whipped cream bikini <laughs> for me, I mean, I wouldn't say no to that. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It looked like he was going to, like, grab her when they started kissing, and I'm like, that's just going to be so messy. Like, Seriously. he had all his clothes on, and she's just covered in whipped cream. Start licking, Dawson. <laughs> that's what it's there for, sir. <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah, what did you think about that? She she is, like, seriously coming on to him. Mm-hmm. The threat, ever since Paul Walker gets hurt. Because she's a psychotic bitch. Yeah. His girlfriend is the brother of Paul Walker. The sister. Yeah, his girlfriend is the sister of mm-hmm. yeah, sister of Paul Walker. Sorry. And uh, um, he's like, you know, oh, I can't, whatever. And he, like, and he says to himself, he's like, I always, I'm always the good guy. I always do the good things. It's almost like he's rejecting Dawson. He's <laughs> like, I always do the good things. Let me be, let me be a different character in this movie. Yeah. And he picks up condoms and goes over to her house. What do you think of that? I think that he was being a shitty person. Yeah. I mean, like, that's awful. Especially when he's like, I can't do this. I think I might love my girlfriend. You don't love your girlfriend. If you're... Getting the condoms and going over there to cheat, and then you're like still like, and then you're also like, I'm not sure. I think I love her. Then you don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I didn't really love any of the characters in the movie, and that's another problem I have with the movie. Is who are we rooting for? I guess we're rooting for James Vanderbeek, and it's like, yeah, I mean, cool, whatever. But like, it's hard to root for someone that like actively doesn't give a fuck about what he's doing, mm-hmm. like the the football and stuff like that, and it's like. It's hard to root for his girlfriend because her girlfriend's like, oh, you shouldn't enjoy this football stuff. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I get saying, like, I, she's afraid that he's going to end up like every fucking loser in this town mm-hmm. if he enjoys it too much, which I get. But, like, she's she's acting like, oh, this shouldn't be enjoyable for you at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a little ridiculous. Well, and, like, the scene that broke them up was crazy to me because... They're in the school hallway. Yes. And he's just talking to this cheerleader chick who he just saw in her whipped cream bikini and had mm-hmm. kissed. And she just kisses him on the lips. Mm-hmm. And he kisses back. Like, he should have pushed her away. Yeah. But he didn't, because he really wants to fuck her. He should have just fucked her. Yeah. Well, he was like, because he was like, too, when she, when she was in the whipped cream bikini and he was like, I can't have sex with you. 
And he's, she's like, I want to get out of this fucking town. He's like, you get straight A's, remember? You can get out of the town. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. You can get out of here on your own. And then she was like, oh, hey, thanks for reminding me of that, that I get straight A's. And he was like, yeah, it's cool. And then they kiss each other. And then his girlfriend sees it. Yeah, it's weird. Their relationship is ill-defined. Yeah. Because it seems like they're together. And then, like, later she's like, we had a nice thing. Like, we had a... We had like a nice casual, th- like it was. It seems I don't know. It just the whole thing is like very ill defined. Yeah, agreed. So I and mean, then they're vaguely together at the end. Oh, because she kisses him on the field. Yeah, don't you think that means that they're vaguely together at the end? Yeah, it seemed like they were getting back together. But he's about to go off to Brown, and she still has another year of high school, so they're not going to stay together. Oh, fuck no. He's are you serious? He almost had sex with Allie Larder or whatever the fuck her name is. You don't think he's going to fuck the the first nerdy chick he sees at Brown? Exactly. Yeah, that relationship is going nowhere. Yeah, and he's the the other thing too is, I guess this is okay. It doesn't feel like it needs it. He opens the James Vanderbeek opens the movie with narration and then he closes it with narration like it's fucking stand by me or something like that. And it's like, you know, I'll never forget the people, you know, Billy Bob uh, ended up uh, uh, eating himself into an early grave. <laughs> Did he say that? No, but like it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, Billy Bob fell into a. Uh, Vat of pork sausage. Okay, would you? Did what happened to Billy Bob? I don't remember. And you're freaking Nothing. me out. Okay, he, does, he doesn't say. He just says Lance, uh, which is Paul Walker's character. Lance uh, became a coach. Mm. Lance found his love uh, of coaching or whatever. He got injured for life, but he's going to be a good coach. I feel like something more should have happened with Billy Bob because it's he kept passing like. out. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, I got a cat scan or whatever. I got my cat scanned. What is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm good to play. So why were you passing out? Yeah, what happened? Like you had a concussion, but it resolved itself? Like what, you know, which happens. But it's like we needed more information on that. Yeah. That's a, that's a big issue for the first half of the movie. And then the second half of the movie, the writer's like, oh, wait, we need him on the field, though. Ah, uh, he's fine. <laughs> Yeah. So that that should I think that should have been more of an issue. Um yeah, I just there were there were things that I didn't feel like like I said that's one of those things where I didn't feel like it built towards something. There were th- story threads started and kind of abandoned. Yeah. I really liked the soundtrack though. The soundtrack was It was really a great good. soundtrack for sure. Um and I thought James Vanderbeek was fine doing yeah. his Doing his best attempt at a West Texas. Oh, God, that was awful. I don't want your life. That was a better. Joey Potter. That was a better West Texas accent than he did. (laughs) That was me trying to do a bad one, too. Yeah. You know, if you want a good West Texas accent, you know who you got to listen to? Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) That's that's a West Texas accent right there. That little sing-songy. I thought he was from Georgia. No, he's from Texas. Oh, okay. Texas boy. All right. Uh, anyway, so that is the movie. Um, I guess I would give it a tepid recommendation. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of worth seeing on the big screen, because especially if you like football, because there's a lot of football and there's the whipped cream bikini. If you like bikini. boobs. There's a lot of boobs. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a stripping scene and everything. Yeah, the stripping scene's hot. Yeah. I agree. So yeah, I, um, I would I would waste the time and money to see it in the theater again. Yeah, I think it's worth it. It's yeah. not it's not going to win any awards, but it's a fun movie. If you don't think about it too hard, I think it's 
It's a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that is the episode for the week. Carol, tell people things and stuff. So you can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Yes. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Uh-huh. And share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.